Lord, thank you for allowing us to have this time to look into your word. And God, what an exciting thing this is, this new year. Um, it seems like everything is laid out in front of us. Everything's fresh. Everything's new. And uh, Lord, help us to be good stewards of the time that you've allowed us to have. Open our eyes so that we can see the principles that are found in your word so that we may apply them wisely to our life. God, none of us in here wants to get to the end of our life and look at it and say, I wasted my life. Help us to be good stewards. We ask all this in your name. Amen. So time, Ephesians chapter 5, 16. The Bible says here, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now there is more to this verse than time will allow. Time in this verse is really the application of the principle that we'll look at more closely here in the preceding verses in verses 14 and 15. I'm going to give you a number here. This number, 31,536,000. Anybody take a guess what that is? That's how many seconds are in a year. Now, from 12 o'clock midnight till 10 o'clock this morning, you have already used up 36,000 seconds. Unbelievable, isn't it? Time goes so quickly. Now, you may look at that number, you say, yeah, but I still got uh, 31,500,000 and whatever thousand seconds left. We are all not guaranteed that full amount of 31,536,000. Sadly, that there are people all over the world right now that this may be their very last second on earth. Maybe next week will be their very last second. Maybe a month from now. We're not guaranteed that 31,536,000 seconds. There was a man that we knew, in fact, we were just thinking about him this morning. He was uh, attending the church that we previously went to there in uh, Ohio. And on New Year's Day, he had made a resolution with his family. He said, you know what, we're going to start things off right. We're going to go to church. We're going we're to continue going to church. We're going to honor the Lord with what we want to do with our lives. He went to church that morning, went home afterwards. He was watching a football game, started having some chest pains. This man was a young man, probably in his 30s, very healthy. And in a moment, he passed away that afternoon. He didn't get to see the full year all the way out. So time is no respecter of persons. It affects the young and the old. It affects the healthy and the weak. All of us are subject to time. If you don't believe me, just go look in a mirror. Go look back at some of those old photographs. You're going, wow, man, what happened? You ever have kids and you're sitting around and you're going through some photographs they're like, who's that? Well, that's me. That's you? Yeah. I wasn't always old. <laughs> Time, it affects all of us. So the issue at hand here is not when your time will come or how much time you have left. The issue that this passage deals with is what are you doing with the time that you do have? 
That's why we need to be wise about the time, redeeming the time that we've been given. So let's pull a few things here out of this uh, passage of scripture I think is important because we're going to see a couple things in this passage, not only dealing with time because that's the application. The principle of it is light and wisdom. And we'll take a look here at those things. So notice here, number one, first of all, time to wake up. Time to wake up. Look what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. He says, for anything that becomes visible, notice there it is, is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You know, when we put this verse within its context here, Paul is addressing the believers here, these Ephesian believers, about God's grace and how it's working in their lives. You can see all the way through the passage in Ephesians chapter 5, for example, in verse number 1, he tells us to be imitators of God. He's addressing believers. In verse number 2, he tells us to walk in love. In verse number 3, as improper among the saints. In verse number 7, to do not become partakers with them. In verse number 8, you were once darkness, but now you are light. Paul is giving some, them some things and saying, look, here's a list of things that should be evident in your life as a believer in Christ. And this is God's grace and how it is working in your life. You say, Mike, I've trusted Christ. I'm saved. Yes, that may be true. But are you awake? Notice the emphasis that Paul makes here in verse 14. He says, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, last night, uh, we kept Evelyn up way past her bedtime. And this morning, it was like we were trying to get her ready, and she was just going. <laughs> we lay her down on the bed, she'd be <clears throat> I mean, she couldn't stay awake. And God here is trying to give an emphasis to us and saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. It's time to wake up. There is a need to wake up. Why is that? Well, it's time to allow God's spirit to stir us again. It's time to allow us to awaken us to the reality of eternity. Paul here quotes from Old Testament passages. We don't find an Old Testament passage that actually says what Paul says there. He's quoting from several different ones. Here they are. In Isaiah 51, verse number 17, he says this, Wake yourself, wake yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. Also in Isaiah 52, 1, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. And then also in Isaiah 60, verse number 1, Arise and shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. God in these passages is not talking about physical sleeping. He's not talking about that there's people and he's just walking around and they're over there snoring. He's talking about a spiritual sleep. Not in the fact of death, but in the fact of they're not in tune with what God is doing. They're just, they're there, but they're not in tune with God's spirit. 
And God is saying, look, you need to wake up to what is going on in this world. You need to wake up what God is trying to accomplish in your life. And so it's time to wake up. In the Hebrew here, in these verses, it literally starts and says, rise and shine from the darkness. And is that not what God is trying to get our attention to doing? Is to rise up, wake up to the darkness that is living around us. To not be partakers of that, because he addresses that in Ephesians chapter number 5. Do not be partakers with them. Don't let this be named among you, even in the saints. He says it's time to wake up. Paul is putting these verses in his own words to this church at Ephesus. He wants them to wake up. Wake up to what, Paul? Well, wake up to the light that Christ so desires to work inside of you. Wake up to the grace that Christ so passionately wants to display to you. Wake up to the reality of the Spirit that wants to enable you to do His will in your life. Wake up to God's voice speaking to you. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you heard God's voice speaking to you? I don't mean in an audible voice, but I mean when you spent time reading his word and he spoke to you in the still, small, quiet voice inside your heart. And he said, this is what I want you to do. We need to wake up. Wake up. Paul says this because sadly many of us have been asleep. Not in the fact that we are physically sleeping, although some of you are doing that right now. Wake up. No. <laughs> But in the fact that we have become spiritually asleep. We're not passionately pursuing after Christ as we once used to do. We're not allowing the spirit of Christ to control us like he used to. We have fallen asleep. In the book of Revelation, the church at Ephesus was doing everything right. They endured for the faith. They suffered for Christ's name. They even defended doctrine and got rid of false teachers. Yet they were spiritually asleep. God says, you have forgotten your first love. And how true that is, I believe, in many churches today. We do everything right. Maybe even in here, we do everything right. But we have forgotten the most important thing, and that is to love God with all of our hearts. It's time to wake up, to pursue after Christ. That's where the second point here comes in. So not only it's time to wake up, but notice here, secondly, time to walk carefully. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, Paul writes, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So not only is it time for us to wake up, but it's time for us to walk carefully. Now remember I said that there's light and there's wisdom in this passage. We looked at light there. But here's wisdom here. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. Now when I think of that word, you know, walking carefully, I've done several remodeling projects uh, at our previous house that we used to live at. One of them was we had to tear off the whole roof and it was an older roof, and so instead of having sheathing on the roof, like large four by eight sheet panels of sheathing, it had individual boards. 
And a lot of those boards had to be replaced. I think I repaired like something like 18 or 19 individual areas that had to be repaired. Well, as I was walking, I was pretty confident. I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty solid. And then, oh, man, my foot goes right through the board. <laughs> you know, it was kind of scary. After that, guess what I started doing? I was walking carefully. When we tore off all the siding off of our house, we had uh, some old shingle uh, siding. It had a lot of nails. I mean, there was tons and tons and tons of nails. I mean, there was probably a nail every, like, two inches. Man, it was terrible. We were ripping that stuff off, and this stuff was scattered everywhere. And, of course, there I was walking, and many times I would walk, and a nail would go through... But it didn't puncture me because I go, oh, man, ee, you know, and I pull that nail out. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm so glad that didn't go through because it's rusty. Get a tetanus shot, all that kind of terrible stuff. So walking carefully. Now, what does this have to do with time? Well, Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. Now, he's not talking about just us walking around. He's talking about our manner of life, our conversation of how we live our life. He says, look carefully how you walk. So we find here throughout Scripture, the word walk has to do with our manner of life. So we could read this verse this way. Look carefully then how you live your life. Don't be unwise, but wise. If we were to review last year and how we walked... Was our walk, our manner of life pleasing to the Lord? If we were to take Ephesians chapter number 5 as a revealer of how we walked, how would we measure up? Could I say that in 2016 that I spent my time walking in love, as Paul mentions here in verse number 2, and he commands us to walk in love? Could I say that in my life in the past year that I have spent my time wisely, by being thankful, as Paul mentions, that I should and commands me in verse number four? Could I say that in the past 12 months that I spent my time in walking as children of light, reproving darkness, as Paul gives us command in verse number eight? Could it be said of me that I spent my time wisely before the Lord in seeking spiritual fruit and bearing spiritual fruit, as Paul tells us in verse number nine? Is it true of my life that during the past year that I can say that I spent time in careful, observant time seeking to discern what is pleasing to God, as Paul commands me to do in verse number 10? Notice here in this verse that Paul just doesn't say, watch how you walk. But he uses a, an interesting word there. He says, watch carefully. The word carefully can also be translated as the word precisely. The small, insignificant, little details in our life that don't really seem to matter, matter to God. That just shows me something how great our God really is and how much He loves us because God is not necessarily concerned about the large decisions in life. He is concerned about the small, insignificant little details that don't really seem to matter, but they do matter to God. And God says, watch 
carefully then how you walk. So let me give you an example of this. Here you are going through your life, let's say 2016, and you're thinking about all the things that happened in your life. And if we were to use Ephesians chapter 5 as a guide and comparing that and saying, okay, did I, let's just pick one, walk in love in 2016? You say, well, I went to church. That's not walking in love. You say, I sang Christian songs. That's not necessarily walking in love. Did I allow God's word to affect my life in such a way in the small, insignificant little details that I allowed him to constantly review my heart, my motives, what I was doing, and did I please the Lord in my walk? Paul says, it's time to walk carefully. So it's important for us, time to wake up to what God is doing, and it's time to walk carefully, precisely. So this year, will I choose to walk carefully, precisely? Will I be wise in my decisions and how they affect my manner of life, how I live my life? And then now that leads us to this application of time. God is trying to get us to see that our manner of life, how we live our life, and the time that we have been given will do something for our Christian life. We can't bottle up time. We can't keep it. There was a song, I think, back in the 70s, a guy, if time were in a bottle, you know, or something like, how many of you remember that? Okay. You can't bottle it up. You can't save it. It's an impossibility. So what are we going to do with our manner of life and how that affects our time? So let's look here. Thirdly, it's time to plan. Now, I am in no way advocating the, uh, the music of Pink Floyd, but they have a very interesting song, and it's called Time. And in the beginning of the song, you hear a bunch of clocks ticking back and forth. And there's a, the song opens up with these lyrics. And I think he really kind of captured what time is and what we do with our time. It says this, ticking away the moments that make up a dull day, you fritter and waste the hours in an offhand way. What fitting words to how we use our time. Think of all the things that you've wasted your time on. Arguing. Arguing. But a lot of time has been wasted. Remember, you only have 31,356,000 seconds. What are you going to do with that time? So the application here, time to plan. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. Making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There's that wisdom again. Don't be foolish. Be wise. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now in some uh, translations, the, the phrase there, making the best use of the time, is sometimes uh, translated as the word redeemed. To buy back. In other words, to rescue. 
So here it is to buy up, to rescue the loss of time. You're only given a certain amount of time. You don't know how much time you're going to have left. And so in your manner of life, your walk, everything that you are doing as you're serving Christ and following him, don't waste the time. So what does that have to do with how we walk? Well, again, here we see light and wisdom. Every single one of us in here, God gives us opportunities. He'll give you an opportunity today and maybe tomorrow. Maybe he gave you an opportunity this morning. That's why we have to wake up to the opportunities that God is giving us. That we don't waste them away. God is trying to do something in the world. He's trying to reconcile the world to himself. And guess what? He uses us fallen, sinful, horrible creatures that have been redeemed by God's grace to spread that message of salvation. And he gives us opportunities to do that. And so we have to wake up to the reality of that. We don't have a thousand years of time on this earth. In fact, here's a few passages that tell us how short our time is. In Psalm 39, 4, it says, Lord, make me to know my end, and what is the extent of my days? Let me know how transient I am. In Job 7, verse 6, Job wrote, he says, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. What is that? These ladies that, ha that, were, that weave these rugs and stuff, they have this little uh, thing that they throw back and forth inside the loom that holds the string. And he says, My days are swifter. It's being tossed back and forth, in and out. He says, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. And he says, And they come to an end without hope. Boy, that's encouraging. First Chronicles 29, 15, For we are sojourners before you and tenants as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no hope. In Job 8, 9, Job wrote, For we are only of yesterday and know nothing because our days on earth are as a shadow. In Psalm 78, verse 39, Thus he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and does not return. In James 4.14, 4, Yet you do not know what your life will be on the morrow. For you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. In Job chapter 9, verse 25, Now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away, they see no good. And in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse number 3, as David was running away from Saul, he writes this, Yet David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your sight. And he, and he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, or he will be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is hardly yet a step between me and death. Psalm 89, 47, remember what my span of life is. For what vanity you have created all the sons of men. In Job 14, 2, like a flower, man, he comes forth and withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. In Psalm 102, verse number 11, my days are like a lengthened shadow and I wither away like grass. We don't have enough time in this world. 
our lives will be over like that. What are you doing with the time, the opportunities that God gives you? All of us in here should make the best use of our time. Why? Because the days are evil. Paul didn't say one day they will become evil or they're starting to get evil. He says they are evil now. Wake up. Wake up to the reality that we live in an evil world and God gives us opportunities to serve him and we shouldn't waste those. We live in a crooked and perverse world and we must learn how to walk carefully in the light, making the best use of the time that he has allowed us to have because we are living in evil days. If you don't believe me, just turn on the news. Shot, killed, murdered, corruption. It's all there. In reality, all of us are living from moment to moment, not knowing which one of them will be our last. We can be wise with our time, however, by making those moments count for eternity. That's why Paul writes in the verse, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God is trying to get us to see that Christ is the Lord of our time. He has the rule of when our life began, and he has the rule of when our time will end. And he has complete and total control over and rights of our time. So what are you doing with the time that God has so graciously given you? It is from the Lord that all of his children, those that know Christ as their Savior, get the plan for their life. My plan, God's plan for my life is not the same that he has for your life. God has a plan for every single individual that knows Christ as their Savior. If you don't know Christ, guess what his plan is for your life? For you to turn and trust him, to receive him as Savior. And then he's going to give you an awesome, amazing plan that you would have never thought that you would have. So what is God's plan for your life? What does he want you to do? You say, well, I'm not going to be a preacher, that's for sure. Those guys are crazy. No, God has an individual, thought-out, well-executed plan that can only fit for you and you alone. And it's when you avail yourself and you wake up to what God is doing and you say, God, you have so graciously given me 31,356,000 seconds. What do you want me to do with them? Sit on the couch, eat potato chips, and watch TV. That a great plan. No, he wants us to use our time wisely. What do you think the will of God is for all of our lives? If you look just in the next verse there, he says, do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Can I ask you a question? In 2016, did you use your time wisely enough that you were filled with the Spirit? In 2017, maybe it didn't happen in 2016, but in 2017, are you going to diligently seek out opportunities 
for the Lord to work in your life in such a way and say, God, I want you to control me. I want you to bring me in tune with your word. I want you to bring me in tune with reality. I want you to bring me in tune with what you're doing in this world. And I want you to fill me and use me to the fullest extent because this is your time. And I'm just a vessel. So redeeming the time. I think it's a good start here. January 1st, that's, that's what we need to seek out doing, is to redeem the time, to buy it back, to rescue it from destruction. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to look into your word. Help all of us, myself included. God, we have so many things that take our time away. Um, we have opportunities that pass us by. God, help us this year, today, this month, this week, this hour, to be in tune with your spirit, to allow your spirit to control us. Help us to redeem the time because we live in evil days. God, you have so greatly blessed us. And even if we were to have a thousand years on this earth, it still wouldn't be enough time. God, our lives are so short. Help us to use what we've been given wisely and not waste it. We thank you, we love you, and we ask all this in your name.